Happy Wednesday, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of the Prairie and Smith podcast. It's a big weekend ahead for the Sun Belt, including multiple high-quality midweek matchups. App State will host Georgia State, and South Alabama welcomes Troy to Mobile for the most consequential battle for the belt in recent memory. We'll preview those games a little bit later on in this episode, but before we do, we're really excited to have our latest Sunbelt student-athlete join us on the Frary and Smith podcast. Caden, why don't you tell us a little bit more about today's guest? Yeah, anyone who's listened to this show knows that I've been up on this team and up on this guy even before the season. I saw what he was doing at Toledo at the quarterback position and thought he was going to bring some of that same juice and energy to the South Alabama team. It's none other than South Alabama quarterback Carter Bradley. This dude's been killing it this year. One of the transfer quarterbacks that's come into this conference and really made some noise and put his team in a position, a very good one, to set them up for success this year in a championship. So hopefully he can do that for them going forward. And I'm just really excited for the people to hear what he had to say, because obviously a per usual shared a lot of his off the field stuff on the field journey, his journey to South Alabama and beyond. So tell us a little bit more about some of his stats and what he's done this year, Noah. Yeah, last year, Carter Bradley made six starts for Toledo and nearly architected the biggest win in program history when his team almost upset number seven Notre Dame in South Bend. After losing the starting job, though, Carter entered the transfer portal and enrolled at South Alabama in January. This year, he's been one of the best signal callers in the Sun Belt. He's thrown for nearly 1,700 yards while sporting a very strong 13-4 to touchdown-to-interception ratio. And last week, he had perhaps his best game as a Jaguar where he threw for a South Alabama program record 420 yards in his team's 41-34 to victory over ULM. Carter continues to elevate his play as South Alabama nears a top 25 ranking and a perhaps a West Division crown. Uh, he's one of the best stories in the Sun Belt early on this season, Caden, and I know that both you and I are looking forward to seeing how far Carter Bradley and these Jags can go the rest of the year. Now, he's already taken this team to new heights, and we're, I'm obviously excited because I picked them going into this season out of the West to do some great things, and it looks like they're going to continue to do that. They obviously have a big matchup against Troy coming up, one of the best defenses in the conference. So we obviously talked about that game. We talked about some of his football roots. If you're a football junkie, you're going to love what he has to say about that and just more and more and more stuff about him. So let's get to it. Without further ado, let's get to our interview with the one and only Carter Bradley. Carter, my man, really excited to have you on the Frary and Smith podcast. We've been waiting to have you on for a while. You finally have one of your best games of the year. We figured this was as good a time as any. Yeah, well, I appreciate it. It's a short week. It's a big week, but, you know, I'm glad to be on here. Yeah, we're definitely excited, uh, and we'll get into, you know, the game on Thursday night a little bit later on in this episode, but I wanted to take you all the way back, and you were a three-star prospect coming out of high school um, I wanted to ask, I know Caden was a little bit underscouted as a, you know, a, a lesser star prospect. I just wanted to ask what your experience was. What did your college options look like coming out of high school? Yeah. Um, you know, I had some power five schools, some group of five schools, uh, looking at me, uh, you know, I think elite 11 going to that being with the top quarterbacks in the country, I think it definitely elevated, you know, uh, my recruiting. And I got to prove myself there with the best guys uh, like Trevor and Justin and Matt Corral in that class, which is, you know, an unbelievable class to be a part of. And, you know, just kind of going through that, uh, you know, seeing all these different types of schools, I didn't know really how to handle it. So, you know, I had my father there who's been through it or who who has some connections who could help me uh, kind of go through it and make sure I'm seeing the right things and going to the right place. And, you know, it, it definitely, you know, that whole recruiting process is, was a blessing. You know, I tore my ACL my senior year 
uh, game four. Uh, so there were some schools that dropped out, and I, you know, it was hard for me to take it that way uh, because some of them just stopped talking to me. I mean, uh, you know, it's something as an 18-year-old you have to handle. You have to handle like a grown man, and, you know, you have to grow up fast. But, you know, I think that whole uh, recruiting process was definitely a blessing. You touched on that Elite 11. I know you're an Elite 11 alumni, and that's obviously a loaded class. I mean, DTR was in that class, too, and that's someone you faced this year. Just talk about what it meant to you to be selected for that and what you learned through that process as a high schooler. Yeah, uh, it was definitely one of the coolest experiences, you know, I've been a part of, you know, you go out there and you see, you know, how you're going to rank in with these top guys. And, you know, it's hard not to compare. And it's as an 18, 17 year old. But, you know, going out there, I just enjoyed my time. I mean, those guys, I mean, Matt Corral, Trevor Lawrence, Justin, those guys are all in the league. So, you know, comparing myself to them and going out there and competing was was something very special. And then going up against DTR, I mean, he's still I mean, unbelievable. Uh, I mean, killing it in the Pac-12 and one of the best QBs in the country. Yeah, I mean, that's a uh, that's a pretty star-studded class. Like you said, multiple guys in the NFL. Um, I wanted to ask, you know, after last season, you choose to enter the transfer portal and utilize that in your career. Uh, you've talked uh, in interviews after doing that about not knowing if you'd ever be given the chance to pick up a football again. Um, walk us through that journey through the portal and ultimately why was South Alabama the right fit for Carter Bradley? Yeah, you know, uh, entering the portal, you know, I talked, you know, with my with my parents and, you know, there are some other uh, some people just as coaches that were close friends um, that really helped me out through that whole process and made me understand how lucky, you know, I was to land in a place like this. And uh, I've never gone a day without knowing that uh, I'm truly blessed to be here with the coaching staff that's here with the players that are here. But, you know, going through that whole process, I didn't know where I'd end up. I didn't know if I was going to pick up a football again. You know, what was huge with me was I had to get my mental health right. Because when I was in Toledo, you know, I was in one of the darkest places I've ever been. And, you know, I thank God every day that I got out, you know, I have people around me who supported me in that. Um, but, you know, landing in a place as special as, you know, Mobile and with the people that I'm around, it's truly a blessing. Yeah, and you touched on your journey at Toledo, and I know fall camp every year is, is such a grind mentally, physically, and you coming to South Alabama, winning that starting job at the end of fall camp, and with, through everything you've been through at Toledo, just what was it like, that accomplishment, learning the starting job for South Alabama, and what did that mean to you? Yeah, um, you know, it's crazy because, you know, going into this, I was, you know, the background at Toledo, you know, I was very, you know, one-minded, going to this thing, I'm going to beat everyone out, do this, do that. And, you know, when I came here, the quarterback room was totally different. And, you know, they almost they brought me in and it was like, we're going to do this thing the right way. And it changed my mindset because of how you need to pull for each other and you need to build relationships with those around you, because all you want to do is is win games. And I think through this whole fall camp, you know, I just operated at a neutral mindset with the other guys of how can we get this thing right? Not, you know, we're competing against you know each other going against each other's back. It was none of that at all. And I think that was so cool about this whole process is, you know, pulling for one another. And you could really see that through fall camp. And I feel like that made, you know, me and Dez and, you know, the other quarterbacks better. Now, I mean, ultimately, when you were at Toledo, there was kind of this back and forth as a starter, as a backup. How much did it mean to you personally to have a coaching staff that said, we believe in Carter Bradley, you are our day one starter? Yeah, I mean, it's an unbelievable feeling when, you know, coaches have confidence in a player and when they show that and they, and they voice that, you know, then you can just go out and play. And I think that's really what I needed. And I think coach Applewhite, coach Womack have done an unbelievable job with me 
you know, expressing, you know, the the truths and what they're trying to accomplish to the room, not only just me. So I think, you know, their communication to the whole room and this year has been unbelievable. So, you know, I'm really grateful and I know the room is grateful of them. Now, uh, your dad, as we kind of, you know, transition to talk a little bit more, you know, about your background, obviously he's the current defensive coordinator for the Indianapolis Colts, and he's had, you know, many coaching stops during his 16-year NFL career. I noticed on your bio, you kind of consider Jacksonville, Florida home, but I wanted to ask you, what has been your favorite city that your dad has worked in and why? And then ultimately, on the teams that your dad has been around, is there, a, is there an NFL player that just stands out to you that, like, you've really enjoyed just spending time around? Yeah, um, you know, Jacksonville wasn't the prettiest, you know, him being his, you know, first head job and, you know, you 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 dream about going in there and having so much success, but you know, I think it was a blessing for both of us and our actually our whole family because, you know, it didn't end up well in Jacksonville, but you know, the people there have been unbelievable towards us and, you know, they brought us in and it it really has felt like home to me and you know, uh throughout the whole stops, you know, of being in Seattle and Tampa and Jacksonville um, and then him going out to uh, Los Angeles and Vegas, you know, there's a couple of guys that really stood out. I think just Russell Wilson, you know, when he was in Seattle and how he came in with Matt Flynn and, you know, how he competed and his arm slot and his leadership was truly amazing to see at a young age. So I was very grateful to see that. But then, you know, one who I really thought was cool, which doesn't really get heard about was Blake Bortles and, you know, his, his ability to build relationships with the guys in the room and on the team was truly really cool to see because there, I don't think there's one thing bad ever said about Blake. So, you know, I really took from him like, Hey, like you gotta, there's more than just on the field stuff. You got to take the stuff off the field and build guys up and build relationships with the guys around you that will follow you into the game. So I thought that was really cool. You've gotten to see, you mentioned some of those names, so many good quarterbacks and impressive quarterbacks throughout your childhood. Like obviously you have the Brett Favre's and the Peyton Manning's, the Aaron Rodgers, the Russell Wilson, so many big names that you were able to see at a young age. And you talked about the specific kind of things you took from their games. Has any of that carried with you up until now? Like what are some of the quarterback traits that you've seen from those guys, whether it's on the field and off the field, that now you try to carry in some of those names that maybe we might think familiar or unfamiliar that you use now in your career at South Alabama? Yeah, definitely. You know, at a young age, um, you know, I was always taking pictures off Google and just, you know, how smooth some guys looked. And I put them up in my room. So I take pictures of Aaron Rodgers and kind of almost his whole motion and just kind of look at that, study his his game on YouTube, look at, you know, rewinds on on NFL Network and just watch him. Because, you know, I try to establish that in my game, just how smooth and how calm he is in the pocket. You'll see sometimes with Brady, you know, in New England how he just stands back in the pocket after a three-step drop and he just goes through it and he looks so calm. So I think that those things are a couple of things that, um, you know, I've taken from, you know, their game and tried to implement it in mine. You know, I've tried to take leadership things from Brady. I've tried to take it, you know, from Russell. Um, there's a bunch of guys, you know, I'm always watching on Sunday and going back um, to earlier years, trying to pick up game from any of the quarterbacks that have, uh, you know, success. I think that might have been one of the best answers we've had to questions like that, just because of the up close and personal nature you've been able to see some of, you know, ultimately some of the greatest quarterbacks. Um, I wanted to just ask you about your relationship with your dad. And, you know, you've talked in other interviews about, you know, the advice he's given you not only in the game of football, but outside of the game of football and uh, just how close you guys are. And I wanted to ask you, what is the best piece of advice that maybe for life that your dad has ever given you? 
Yeah. Uh, man, that's tough. That's see that that question is always tough for me because, you know, there's not a day that goes by without him giving me something. Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, my dad's my best friend. He's my hardest critic besides myself. Uh, he's always critiquing me on my game, uh, leadership wise, body language. Um, you know, whenever we, you know, whenever I come home, it's always, you know, I feel like I'm at a TED talk. I'm always learning something. I'm always getting something from him. And I'm, it, it's unbelievable, uh, you know, what he knows and what he's established on my life. But man, to think about, you know, just one thing, I mean, golly. Um, yeah, I don't know. There, I mean, he talks, you know, what he talks about a lot, a lot is just finding peace. You know, when you find peace and, you know, he talks about faith a lot too. So when you find peace with God and you find peace with, you know, your preparation and your work, you can go out and play. That's the best player that you'll be that day. Um, so, you know, I appreciate him, you know, putting that on me and, you know, talking to me about that. Carter, you talked a little bit about some of those hard and dark times you had at Toledo. And I noticed on Twitter, you had that pinned tweet on your account about mental health and being a student athlete, man, life is always obviously already going to throw you curveballs and be hard, but being a student athlete kind of adds another level to it. Sometimes I know I've been through injuries in the past, had to see our sports psychologists and, and get through that process, but you don't have to get too deep about some of your struggles, but I guess how important was it for you to share that message and kind of become a sports spokesperson for mental health? Because we all know in the sports space, that's not always the easiest thing to do. And just congrats, congrats and kudos to you as well just for for sharing that message i appreciate that yeah no um you know i i suffered with anxiety and depression um you know we still all, all have our days i mean it, it's something that never goes away but you definitely kind of get over that hill of that point in time in life but you know um i just felt like i need to share that because i feel like there's so many more people that just don't know which way to go and how to kind of respond to some of the things that happen in life because as a student athlete, I mean, you're out there practicing one play and then the next play you're, you're down on the ground, you tore your ACL like I did in high school, you're getting labrum surgery the next day. I mean, life comes at you so fast and it's hard to juggle all these things with academics and, you know, practice and watching film. And it's like, you barely get time to breathe. And, you know, that can come on to a lot of people. And I just felt like I need to share that because, you know, there, there is a light at the end of the tunnel. You know, God does have a plan for all of us. And, you know, that's one of the biggest things that, you know, I use to get out of that state. You know, I've always been huge on faith. Um, you know, I never, you know, lost sight in God. Um, you know, I just it was just one of those things that I didn't know where he was taking me. But I feel like, you know, if if you're a student athlete and you're going through something like that, it, it, it is hard. You know, it's a lot easier said than done to, to talk about, you know, what you're going through. So I feel like, you know, anytime you can reach out and get a little bit uncomfortable with talking about your problems, I feel like you're taking the right step in the right direction. Yeah, I love everything you're saying, you know, as an individual that, you know, faith is important to me and, you know, ultimately that journey that, you know, that we're all taken on. So it's neat to kind of see uh, that you've been able to kind of come through that journey and now be in a spot that that is great for Carter Bradley. Um, you know, obviously football is just a huge part of your life from a young age until now. But what I wanted to ask is, what do you do for fun outside of the game of football? What does what does Carter like to do in order to blow off steam? Yeah, um, you know, I like to hunt and fish. I got a a, a two year old golden retriever named Captain uh, who I go home to every day. So you know, maybe there's a bad day at practice, but he has no clue what happened. He's just excited to see me. So that kind of it really helps me out. So he's been a, a truly a blessing uh, for me. But yeah, I hunt, I fish. Uh, but most of the time, I mean, 
football is 365 in my life. I, I'm never out of it. Um, that's where I find my most peace. If I'm not doing anything in football, you know, I kind of get a little anxious, like, you know, something's wrong because I've just grown up in it. So, uh, yeah, I don't do much. I, I stay at home. I watch film. I don't go out. I don't really, I don't drink. I don't smoke. I don't do anything like that. I don't, you know, I'm, I'm very cool, calm, collected guy. I just, you know, I'm a man of God, uh, hunt and fish. And that's pretty much it. Good stuff. Now I'm going to ask you the million dollar question that's been on this podcast asked to every student athlete before the game. You're about to have a 400 yard passing day. What's what's playing in those headphones? What music are we hearing? And we know you're a baseball guy, too. So if you had to pick one song, maybe your one walk up song, what would that be? Oh, man. Um, gosh. See, um, I play a lot of kind of like not jazz, but like just beat music just to kind of get in the flow of things. It's weird to say, but like, I won't, I'll play some, you know, like country. I'm a big Riley Green guy. So I'll play some country. I'll play some, you know, whatever kind of pops on, but about 30 minutes before the game, I'll just kind of almost put on just, you know, sounds of just like beats just to kind of get in a rhythm, you know, so finding a rhythm. And so then it just kind of goes into the game. Like, okay, I found a kind of a rhythm and seeing where this thing goes. And it kind of calms me down and puts me in some peace. So I don't know if that's the answer that you really wanted, but that's kind of who I am. No, it's definitely the first time we've gotten an instrumental smooth jazz answer, but it clearly works for you. So we'll, we'll definitely take it. Um, transitioning to some of the football stuff from this year and some of the action getting back on the field. Um, just after the ULL game, one of the biggest things I noticed was just your celebration with your teammates after that one. It really gave me goosebumps and it really stood out to me just because you've only been a member for this team for a little bit, but it obviously meant so much to South Alabama. Can you just tell us about that moment when the kicker got the ball through the uprights, it was good. And just how big that moment was for South Alabama, even with it being your first year on the team, but understanding the weight of that win. Yeah. Um, you know, we've been taught, you know, we've been talking about that game since January. I mean, that game, uh, Troy, ULM, Texas state. I mean, all those games last year that they were close to winning and they didn't come out with it. And I think, you know, we, we set a standard at January of where we wanted to go. So when that week came up, we understood, you know, what it took. Going there was not going to be easy. It was not going to be an easy game at all. You know, if you look through the game, it was very up and down. We couldn't really find a rhythm. I mean, just from an offense standpoint, it was tough. It was there an unbelievable defense. And to go in there and do what we did and be in a 60-minute dogfight was unbelievable. You know, and that's a credit to, you know, Coach Shadid, Coach Womack, and those guys getting us ready for a dogfight. So, uh, to go in there, have Diego to get his shot of redemption, you know, from last year when he missed the kick. I mean, it was a it was a, a fairy tale ending. I mean, it, it was unbelievable. I'm so you know happy to have him on our side and to have him you know kick that last one. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, being this team is very special and being part of it. You know, I, I wouldn't want to be any other uh, place and be with any other guys. Yeah, I think uh, you don't oftentimes hear kickers uh, get shout outs on this podcast, uh, but we've talked about Diego multiple times this year. I mean, he's having a great season. And as you kind of mentioned it, a, a little bit of a redemptive season. And that's been neat to watch. Um, you know, last week uh, you balled out. You had a record setting performance through for 420 yards. I think what Kate and I both found so interesting, though, is that there was three wide receivers and Voison and Lacey and Wayne that all went over 100 yards. Um, you look like you've been throwing to these guys for years, but you obviously haven't been. How were you able to kind of establish that connection with those guys and your wide receivers so quickly? Yeah, uh, I mean, that's again, that all started in January when I came here. I mean, just understanding, you know, 
um, these guys from a personal level of what their why is, why they like to do things, how they're, you know, when you become a leader, you got to understand guys and how they, they move. You can't go in there and jump into a leadership role and not understand why guys do certain things and try to lead them. Um, you know, building a relationship, you know, on this campus and with the other guys, with our line and the running backs was my first thing that I wanted to do. And with those three guys, I feel like they've, they've done an unbelievable job at stepping up in their role because that was the huge question going into this offseason. And it was, can these guys step into a new role with, you know, with Tolbert leaving? And I feel like they've answered the bell and they've done some more. Um, but I'm so proud of those guys. I'm proud of the running back room. The O-line room has been unbelievable. You know, Coach Applewhite has done an unbelievable job at game planning and getting us ready. So, you know, credit goes out to those three wide receivers because they made my job a whole lot easier with uh, taking yards after catch. But, you know, I appreciate them so much. Quick follow-up talking about those three receivers you have. They obviously have different styles of play and different game types and different ways of getting open and being effective. If you had to compare those three guys, each of them individually, to a different maybe NFL receiver that we know about, a former college receiver, who would you who would you categorize those three different guys as? Yeah. Um, you know, I think I'd say Colin is like Terry McLaurin at Washington. I mean, he's solid. I mean, he's got speed. He can run. I mean, he's tough. He's dependable. You know, I think, you know, that really sticks out to me, you know, voicing, um, you know, it's tough with him because he's a little bit, he's, he's not a big, you know, that Z receiver or X receiver that you see on Sundays, but, you know, he does everything right. Uh, he's dependable. You can go to him. I can throw with him, you know, blindfolded. I know where he's going to be. Um, and then Jalen Wayne, um, Gosh, I mean, he's 6'2", 205. Uh, I mean, I want to say he's like a Mike Evans. You know, I mean, he's long, he's fast, he's you know, he's got a little twitch to him. Uh, his, his strides unbelievable. I mean, he's going to be a steal up, you know, this coming draft. You know, whoever gets him because and he's and here's the thing about these three receivers, they are so easy to work with. That's the best thing about them. They're so easy to work with. You tell them, hey, what about this? What about this? They're like, hey, I'm right there with you. I see it. I'm I'm this and that. You know, coming from Toledo, I had great guys there. But coming into this, I mean, this is like, this is a cakewalk. These guys are unbelievable. So I appreciate them on that too. Well, we definitely talked about, you know, obviously after Jalen graduates, goes to the league, who becomes that top wide receiver in the league. And those three guys that you're describing have definitely started to put themselves in that conversation. Um, you know, I want to transition and talk a little bit about your opponent on Thursday night. But, you know, before we really dig into that game, um, it was announced earlier this week that you're going to be wearing the number five jersey heading into that game. And I know that that's a big deal for South Alabama. There obviously is the history of that. It was gone for several years. Kane Womack brings that back. Um, but I wanted to ask, uh, what does that opportunity mean to you personally to be putting that number five jersey on? Yeah, I mean, it's an unbelievable honor, you know, to wear that jersey and, you know, to look back and, you know, this past year to see all the guys who have worn it. Uh, it's truly an honor. Uh, you know, I feel like honestly, after this game, I feel like there should be 10 other number five jerseys. I feel like Coach Applewhite should wear a number five jersey. Uh, but, you know, it is truly it, 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 I am very grateful you know, to be wearing this jersey in honor uh, Anthony on uh, Thursday. So I'm excited. 
You're getting your first taste of the Battle of the Belt on Thursday night. Um, this Troy defense has been tough all season and has given opposing quarterbacks and just offenses in general a lot of problems. What does your offense need to do in this game to be successful against this Trojan defense that's proven to be one of the better units in the Sun Belt? Yeah, I mean, continue to be physical at the line of scrimmage. Continue to, you know, do our job. Uh, I feel like we got a great plan going into this game. Now, that's a, they're a tough defense, and they've proven it every week, uh, week in and week out. Um, that front seven, you know, those guys flow the ball so well, even those back half guys. Uh, I feel like they got eyes on the ball um, wherever they're at. Uh, they do a great job at that. Um, but, yeah, I don't think we need to do anything different besides be ourselves and play South Alabama football that we've been playing. And this is my last question. Noah always gives me a little football nerd out question, but you're going to go against a good linebacker in Carlton Marshall, who I'm sure you're familiar with on film and just seeing his work in the conference and him playing in the middle linebacker position specifically. Obviously, you have to worry about everybody on the defensive side of the ball, but what do you expect out of your matchup with him? Because that's kind of really the individual matchup that a quarterback can have with the middle linebacker of another team, especially if they're smart, they line up in different spots. What do you expect out of that matchup? And just tell us about playing a good middle linebacker versus other defensive players on a team when you're at the quarterback position. Yeah, I mean, you're going to see, you know, when you turn on tape, how those guys move around, how they hide things, how they're going to disguise some blitzes. And they do a very well, they're very good job at that. They hide a lot of things very well. They're going to move their front just a little bit, not much. Uh, but, you know, he's always around the ball. That's what's so cool about him and just watching his game. He's always around the ball. Uh, so, you know, my hot, my eyes are going to be key this week. Uh, you know, using some motions maybe are going to help out, uh, you know, see where he's lining up. You know, I mean, it could be just, you know, seeing where his right foot or his left foot uh, lines up this week. You know, it's just going to be little things like that. Uh, but, you know, I'm excited for the opportunity to go into this game. You know, I know our guys are excited, you know, for another opportunity after last year. Uh, but it's going to be fun on Thursday night. Well, Carter, that was about as fun as I've well, had. We're definitely looking forward because, to it. Yeah, I mean, definitely looking forward to that game. And I think that answer was fun because it gives – uh, fans a little bit of an insight into that game inside the game. Uh, that's what I always uh, appreciate when Caden, you know, brings those types of things up. But I know that Caden and I have really enjoyed uh, watching you guys play this year. We're excited to see, you know, what the Jags can accomplish in the weeks ahead. So first of all, thank you for taking some time uh, to jump on this podcast. Our, our listeners will definitely enjoy it. And uh, best of luck to you and the squad the rest of the year. No problem. Thank you very much for having me. Man, Caden, what a fantastic interview that was with Carter Bradley. Uh, if you're a football nerd, which I know you are, you will absolutely love that episode. So much great uh, information there. I thought it was really neat, too. I mean, obviously, I haven't played the game of football, but to hear names like Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson and Peyton Manning discussing an episode and for him to have been able to see those guys up close and then talk about how he's pattering his game off of some of the things that he learned from those. I think that that's really cool. And uh, I, that episode was by far and away one of the favorite ones that I've had so far this year. Yeah, I'll definitely be looking for him in this game to see if he has some of those tendencies that Aaron Rodgers had, some of that throwing motion stuff, but definitely jealous. I mean, when you're growing up as a kid and you can see some of your idols and some of the best to do it play. I know I wish I could have at his age saw some of the best DBs play as a kid, but he obviously used that and took it to his advantage and really kind of see how it paved his journey and his journey as a player, his journey as a person. And just really love that he got to share so much about that, especially the mental health side. That's not always talked about a lot, but I'm 
didn't know I could be more excited about this matchup coming up, but now I am just from him talking about it and him against Troy this weekend or this week. Sorry. Well, Carter talked about it at the end of his interview and we're going to now further talk about it. It's our game of the week. It's one of the games of the year in the Sun Belt. It's a game, Caden, that you and I have had circled from the moment that the calendars came out and we started talking preview episodes at the beginning of the year. It's South Alabama versus Troy. Uh, this game is going to be on Thursday night at 730. Uh, it has national television billing on ESPNU. And, Caden, I said it in our open to this. This is the most consequential battle for the belt uh, in, in memory. Uh, these two teams both come into this game. South Alabama enters receiving votes for the first time in an AP poll since 2016. Uh, Troy, meanwhile, has won the last four of these matchups by an average of 20 points, although last year was closer. Um, this is the 11th meeting in the battle for the belt. And here's the neat thing. One of these two teams will be bowl eligible by the end of this game. And these were two teams that were right on the edge last year. And they're going to you know, far surpass win totals. But this is the most consequential game. And, you know, both teams, like I said, have a chance to secure bowl eligibility. And, Caden, I think the big thing in this game is the winner of this game probably puts themselves in the lead for that West Division title. Yeah, you're 100% right. And you have to just like the stock of these two teams coming into this matchup and really just the whole season. I think both of these teams coming into the season, we had their expectation of them. And now that just kept rising and rising and rising week after week. They're both coming off of three straight wins and they're both playing in the same state. So you have to love some of that in-state rivalry, some of that bad blood. And we know there's probably some players across the board. We know Carlton Marshall's a guy who's from Mobile, so he'll be playing in front of a lot of people and probably people on both teams who have some of those roots. So I'm super excited about this one. And you talked about it. There's a lot on the line for this one. I think coming into this season, we kind of had the ULL matchup circled against South Alabama as the marquee one that might decide this side of the conference. But now it's looking like this game will be the one that decides it. So I'm super excited to watch both of these teams get after it on Thursday. Yeah, I mean, we mentioned the chance for both programs to become bowl eligible. One of them will in this game. USA last played in a bowl game back in 2016. It's been almost or it's been four years for Troy. The last bowl game they played in was 2018. So uh, a lot of great storylines here. I know that you and I are going to be glued to the television for this game. And Caden, I think one of the things that we're most excited about watching is Carter Bradley. We talked to him earlier on in this episode, but uh, he has been one of the biggest stories early on in this Sun Belt. There's multiple guys in this league that have transferred to different programs. Uh, you heard Carter earlier on in the episode talk about just how much it's meant for him to be the starter, get that opportunity. Uh, but he is having a fantastic season. And if any, I mean, we saw him have his best performance of the year last week. He got all of his wide receivers involved. Uh, Carter Bradley was the most elite quarterback in the league last week. 100%. I obviously had high hopes for him coming into the season just because the resume he had at Toledo, and I thought he was going to have the ability with the receiving core that South Alabama had to elevate this team. But I think he's just taken them to heights that we couldn't imagine. And I think a lot of that has to do with the story he told us and some of those really inner workings of who he is as a person and as a player and how thankful he is for the opportunity as well as just the culture that Kane Womack has cre created at South Alabama. It's clearly a different team moving with a different swagger and a different energy, but you have to like him coming off of his best week, especially when he talked about having a little bit of a slower start against ULL. I think that was a big game that maybe there was some nervous energy around the offense, but I think the offensive side of the ball at least kind of turned the page on that 
had their moment, had their fun celebration and got those jitters out the way. And I think this team might be a little bit more poised as an offense to play in these big conference games after that one, especially Carter looks groomed for it. Their running game was going even without LaDamian Webb and some of their other top running backs. So I think this offensive side of the ball, at least with Carter Bradley, has to be very promising and feeling very confident with him at the helm at this point of the season. Yeah, I feel like there isn't many questions for South Alabama to answer on offense heading into this game. But then you look at the other side and there are some questions. And Kane, we've talked about it over our last couple of episodes. Those questions start at the quarterback position. It looked like it was Gunnar Watson's job, and then he you know, gets injured. Jared Dagey comes in. Jared Dagey transfers to that Troy program just a couple of days before the season. Never really had a chance to perhaps become that starting quarterback for this program. Uh, and I think what's been interesting, and we talked about it, if you go back and listen to our preview episode, or our, I'm sorry, our recap episode on Monday, we talked about that Jared Dagey and Gunnar Watson uh, and the end of that game, how that went. Jared Dagey comes in. And you know, ultimately, architects that drive Gunnar Watson went to the coaching staff and said, put Jared in there uh, in that situation. Um, I'm still really curious about this. And this is definitely giving me pause going into this matchup uh, for Troy. Yeah, I remember you asked me that question on the last pod, how I would feel about my quarterback kind of giving up the, his reins at the end of the game like that. And I really still have mixed feelings about it. I think something that the pulse of this offense is going to have to really know and figure out because Coming into a big game, especially on a short week, you're going to want to have one consistent guy at the helm playing quarterback for you. I think the game plan is going to be a little bit more simple. You have less time to prep. So I think as much faith and confidence as you can have in the person who's going to be commanding your offense, the better it's going to be. So the quarterback drama does worry about worry me a little bit in this one, especially when we talk about the quarterback on the other side of the ball. They have the model of consistency, and they know what they're getting on the other side of the ball. But if you're the Troy offense, Gotta kind of, you gotta kind of worry because then you know, any, if either of the quarterbacks play, whoever ends up starting this one, if they slip up a little bit, there's gonna be questions. There's gonna be other outside noise and kind of distractions going into this one as an offense. But I think at the end of the day, whoever's starting a quarterback for this team, they're gonna have to have some explosive plays in this one. And I think they're gonna have to get the ball in the end zone and limit some of the turnovers. I think both of these guys have thrown some interceptions this year six for Watson, five for Daigie on the year. And both of them have been can really lean on this offense and get some explosive plays out of the receivers, but can they get the ball in the end zone? I think they're going to have to play some better red zone offense at the quarterback position for whoever plays in this one. I think that's going to be a huge key for this one if they want to win. Caden, how big of a deal is it playing this game on the midweek? I mean, these are teams that just played uh, last week, and now they're going to have to you know, regroup here and play another game on a Thursday. I mean, we just talked. It feels like it's, not, it's easier when you have a quarterback who's your go-to, whereas Troy, you're almost having to prepare two guys for this game potentially um just talk to me you know in a matchup on a on a midweek game who has the advantage is it defense is it offense from your perspective I think we touched on this a little bit earlier in the year I think you can really lean on your experience and your veterans in this position I think the older your team is the more it can benefit you people who have played these midweek games before who aren't new to this especially the travel aspect of it we talked about it the home team does benefit obviously they're going to be able to relax a little bit they don't have to travel as much so can look at that for helping South Alabama in this one but thankfully it's not a very far matchup so it doesn't have to travel very far for this one but look for both teams to really lean on their veteran leaders, the guys who brought them to this record. But I think, like we talked about before, both of these teams have rising stock right now. I don't think winning at this rate and winning right now the way they are this year is something that's kind of new to both of the teams. So I think both of them are really going to come out to prove it in this one. 
midweek game on TV, a lot of excitement. I'm really excited to watch this one just because I think both teams are going to be really up for this, no matter who's playing in it, older, younger guys, offense or defense, special teams. It doesn't matter. I look at the opening kickoff even for some fireworks to ha- happen very early. So I think both teams are going to be excited for this midweek game. And I think th- just both of them coming off of last week's performances as well, going to have a lot to prove. I think it might be fair to say that this is one of, if not the biggest games of both head coaches' careers as head coaches. You know, South Alabama and Troy, John Summerall in his first season at the helm of this Troy program. You look at Kane Womack, who's in his second year. I mean, you could probably make an argument that South Alabama's game against Louisiana might have been a little bit bigger in terms of history uh, earlier on in the year. But I think this is the most consequential game for either head coach. And it will be interesting to see if some of the adrenaline, the emotions maybe get to those head coaches a little bit in this game. I think that's being under discussed. Um, You know, the other thing is we transition to the other side of the ball here, Caden. These are two really good defenses. I mean, both head coaches love defense. Um, Both of these both of these teams are top five defenses in the league. And, you know, I wanted to get your take a little bit on these two defenses. I look at them right now and I, I wanted to kind of break it down by position group. I would tend to believe right now, if I'm looking at these teams, I think South Alabama has the advantage in the secondary. I'm giving Troy the advantage in that linebacking core because we both really like Carlton Marshall and what that linebacking core is doing. So then you look up front and you say, who has the advantage? And right now it is Troy. They're forcing a lot more sacks. They're getting in the backfield a lot. Uh, And so I think it's interesting to see which parts or pieces of these defensive units are going to stand out in this game. You touched on a lot there. I also want to say that between these two coaches, I think this game's also going to have a lot of implication and bragging rights as far as recruiting goes. I think if there's an Alabama kid who might be thinking about playing in the sum up, has an offer from both of these schools, whichever team, whichever team at the end of this one has some bragging rights, I think that's going to go a long way. So I do agree that the coach battle and some of this is going to be big. But I think you nailed it on the head with as far as the defensive units in this game. It's going to be important for both of them. I think you nailed it as far as which one has a little bit of an upper hand. I think up front it might be a, a little bit closer than you're putting it out for for South Alabama because I think they have shown some good things up front. But I think you look at the linebacking core, Carlton Marshall is going to be playing in front of his family, a lot of his friends from Mobile. He's going to be playing with his hair on fire. So I'm looking for that defense to kind of match his energy, play with their hair on fire as well, and know that they're probably going to be the most important unit in this game. I think both defenses are obviously important, but you look at that Troy defense, that's really what's been carrying this whole year. I think they've given up the least amount of points in the last couple of games. Even though their offense isn't clicking, their their defense has been much more consistent, I think, as far as keeping teams out of the end zone and playing well. And I think the more they can limit Carter Bradley and that unit on offense, the better and closer Troy will be in this game. Versus if you look at the other side of the ball for, um, sorry, the defense on South Alabama side, kind of had some slip-ups at the end of the last game. The score did look bad. It's probably the most points they've given up this year, I believe, in a loss. But I think it's some easy fixes. They had some injuries. They gave up some explosive plays at the end of the game, some lapses. They gave up a 41-yard touchdown and an 80-yarder at the end of that game. So it kind of made the score a little bit. But they have some easy things to fix, I think. I think they can just fix those explosive plays. And as a whole team, that's really all they have to fix. I mean, they're clicking on all the other cylinders. But I think if their defense can clean up some of their stuff from last week, their whole team will be a lot more complete. So I think the pressure is a little bit more on Troy this week because they know they're kind of what's been winning their team games right now. If they can get a plus out of their running game, like we talked about, if they can get a plus out of their quarterback play, some consistency there, that'll only elevate them. But Troy's floor is their defense playing great. So I think there's going to be a lot on their shoulders right now. And I don't think they're too, this moment is going to be too big for them either. I think they're going to play a great game, but they are going to see probably their biggest challenge as far as the offensive attack since they played Western Kentucky. Okay. Now I'm going to put you on the spot right here. If there was a key for either of these teams that 
if this happens, you feel really good about them winning. Let's start with South Alabama, and then I'll let you you know follow up with Troy. What would be those keys in your mind first for South Alabama? I think I touched on all of them during this um, little rant I had about each team, but I think if you look at South Alabama, it's cleaning up that defense. Their defense was really the only thing that showed some weakness last week. I think their offense is so consistent. We talked about even in their game against La Tech how offense, defense, and special teams has been so consistent for them. Their special teams, they obviously have a great kicker in Diego. Cullen Lacey has been killing it in the return game. So I think if they clean up their defense, they have too many other good things going for them as a team for them to lose this game. I think they have more good going for them than bad, probably than any other team in the Sunbelt right now. And then if you look at Troy right now, I think it's going to be how they start this game and how their defense shows up. I think if they can throw the first punch, maybe get South Alabama out of rhythm on offense, kind of like ULL did, I think look on Troy's defense to maybe call some turnovers, have some big plays, get some good stops and win the field position battle up front. I think it's going to be all about how Troy and specifically their defense starts this game so they can keep it close and then maybe at the end swing some momentum their way and maybe get in a little back and forth shootout, kind of similar to what we saw in ULL. The more low scoring this game will be, the more will favor Troy. And I think they have the defensive capability to do that and then just get the best play out of your offense that you can. Yeah, I think the other thing too, just watch out for the running games for both of these teams. Obviously, South Alabama a little bit banged up, but they proved that some backups last week uh, could play extremely well. I think also defensively, South Alabama, third best rushing defense in the league in terms of yards per game given up at 94.8. We've mentioned multiple times on this podcast, what we've seen a trend with Troy is if they can get over 100 yards, They've been pretty good um, and actually really good. They're 4-0 when they get over 100 yards. So I think that is going to be a key marker to watch uh, in this game if we kind of want to you know, make some predictions about who could win this. So be watching out for some of those things. Let's move on, though, and talk about the second midweek game. This one actually comes before our game of the week, which is South Alabama and Troy, and this is App State versus Georgia State. It's taking place uh, this evening at 730. It's going to be on ESPN2. So back-to-back nights for the Sun Belt that they're going to have games on national television and a lot of great exposure. Kane, this is an App State team that was the absolute darling of college football through three weeks. They were getting as much hype and exposure as possible. College game day was on their campus. Um, but then App State is now, they've lost their last two games in Sun Belt Conference play. Um, Georgia State, meanwhile, though, you look at them and, and kind of a different arc. They start the season 0-4 for the second year in a row, but suddenly they're starting to play some really good football. They played a really good game against a Georgia Southern team that a week later would then go on to beat number 25-ranked James Madison. Uh, I thought this was interesting. The Mountaineers 4-0 all-time at Kid Brewer Stadium, and as far back as I could track, uh, App State has actually not lost to Georgia State 8-0 in this series, uh, and I think that is is going to be really interesting. To me, App State has to get their season back on track here. We've seen some of the chaos that's happened in the East. Coastal loses last week. JMU's not eligible for the championship game. There is still a path here for App State, but they've got to figure out some things here quickly, and it has to start in this game. Yeah, I think you look at both of these teams, we kind of talk about the short week that both of the Techs, or that South Alabama and Troy had coming into their game, but I think this is the opposite. These are two teams that coming off of bye weeks have a little bit more time to prep, and I think they're both coming off of their bye weeks with very different mentalities, but kind of similar missions. You look at App State, they're trying to get that nasty taste from that Texas State game out of their mouth. They're trying to use some new momentum trying to build some new momentum. And they're having their pep talk this week saying, listen, we messed up how we could this season. All of our losses at this up until this point really don't matter. All the mistakes we made, we have to clean up because there is a path for us, like you said, to win this conference. They have now or never time on them right now, really. I mean, if they went out 
they do what they have to do and they handle their business. They're back in the conference championship. So the fact that they could lose some of those games and show some of those slip ups and still have an opportunity to play for a championship is crazy to think, but they still have that. So I think that's going to be the conversation from app side. And then you look at Georgia State, they're trying to use this newfound momentum. They obviously had a terrible start to the season, the worst start you can have, but they're kind of telling themselves right now, the last two weeks are more what we are versus the first couple weeks we had. We need to just keep building on this. And if we go four out of six wins, we're back in a bowl game. You know, the Sun Belt's a crazy conference. Maybe we're back in that conference championship conversation. So it's going to be interesting to see both of these teams kind of try to accomplish a mission. I think they're both going to have something to prove in this one to themselves and to the conference that App State side, we're still same old App State. We might have slipped up a little bit, but we're going to get the ball rolling here. And then Georgia State, we're going to use this new momentum, keep it going and prove that we're not the team we were in the beginning of the year. I still think App State kind of controls their own destiny. They've got Robert Morris coming up at the end of the month, and then it's kind of a gauntlet in November, but things could still shift in App State's direction. They're going to go to Coastal Carolina. They go to Marshall, to Georgia Southern. They've also got Old Dominion. So the teams that they're going to need to beat in order to get back into that conference championship conversation, App State will play in the next month or so. Kate, and I wanted to ask you, obviously we've seen a lot of struggles with App State since that hot start, but They're coming off of a bye week here. They've had 11 days off. And I wanted to know, you've been a part of this program. How much new can get implemented in those 11 days? How much much difference could we see in this game for App State than maybe things that we've seen early on in the year? Well, you got to think and hope that the biggest thing they'll see is just a turnaround as far as their health goes. I think that's going to be the biggest thing for them. They looked a little banged up in that Texas State game, and I think it really hurt them and was one of the many factors that you could point to as far as why they lost. So hopefully they're a healthier team. But I think if you look at bye weeks, man, it's really depends on the coaching staff and it depends on the players. I don't know how many of the coaching, a lot of the coaching staff that was there when I was there isn't there. But um, I think a lot of times in these bye weeks, you can kind of overcoach things if you have too much time to watch film, too much time to break things down, start practicing something very early before you're even thinking about playing a game and you don't like it and you switch things around. So I think in this game, got to look for both of these teams and coaches to kind of dumb things down and really lean on your last mistakes. You may lean into those, fix the mistakes versus trying to do too many things and reinvent the wheel too much. Yeah, no, I think that's a great point. Uh, I wanted to, you know, as we as we talk about this game a little bit more, Um, You know, the more and more I look at Chase Bryce, he is having the best season of his career. But due to some of the other quarterback play, it feels like it's being overshadowed a bit. Obviously, he was getting all of the hype in the world at the beginning of this year. But then his team has, you know, lost a couple of games. But when you look at Chase Bryce right now, he's has a career high in yards per game at 279. He's averaging three touchdowns a game. He's thrown just three interceptions. He had 11 last year in 14 games. 66% completion, which again would be a career high. And, you know, last year he had a a huge game against Georgia State, a game that you returned for injury. He throws for 326 and three touchdowns. So you have to imagine Chase Bryce is licking his chops here, and he still believes that he is in this upper echelon and should be in the conversation for Offensive Player of the Year. When you look at the stats, I can't argue with him. I 100% agree. I think we've talked to Chase and I know Chase personally. He's someone who always has a chip on his shoulder. And I think he is seeing some of the buzz that's surrounding these quarterbacks playing in this conference that are a little bit more captivating right now, especially with them on the bye week and all the great performances we saw last week when they weren't playing. So I would definitely look for him in this one to come out swinging and play well. You talked about how well he played against Georgia State. 
last time around. And when you look at their game last week, they gave up about 30 points to Georgia Southern. And that's with Kyle Van Trees throwing four interceptions. So you have to think if you're chasing this one, come into this one, play your brand of football and don't turn the ball over. And I can do a lot of similar things that Kyle Van Trees did last week and that I did last year to this team. Still believe he looks the most comfortable he's ever looked in this system with Barbe. And that wasn't showing in the first half of the Texas State game. It showed more in the second half when they were playing from behind. So I'm definitely looking for him to have a huge game in this one. Meanwhile, for Georgia State, I mean, we've talked about Darren Granger, the quarterback, but if you want to talk about the offense for Georgia State, you've got to talk about the running game. And that starts with Tucker Gregg and Jemias Williams. These guys have been outstanding. They rush for 335 yards against Georgia Southern. Uh, You know, they have to have a good game here. You have to imagine App has only given up one 200-yard rushing game uh, this season. It was against North Carolina in week one. Their goal would be to keep them under 200. Obviously, Georgia State's thinking, how do we get over 200? You have to imagine App can't afford to let them get to 300 in this game, but 200 might be, you know, a, a nice, you know, amount that they could give up in this contest. Yeah, when we talked to Tucker Gregg, when we were talking to him going into his Georgia Southern game, he was pretty straight up as far as, listen, we're going to run the ball. That's what we're going to do. Nothing you can do about, about about it, but try to stop it. So they very much hang their hat on the run game. And App State's been hanging their hat on stopping the run. They obviously held Texas State. One of the few good things they did in that game was hold them to 53 rushing yards on the ground. But this is going to be a completely different animal as far as Georgia State and their dedication to running the ball and how well they run the ball. So I think we can talk about the Chase Bryces, the Darren Grangers, the Jamari Thrashes, the Christian Horns, all the skill players in this game. But this is going to be one that's a tough one up front, especially with Georgia State running the ball. App State going to try to look to get their identity back and bounce back and run the ball as well. It's going to be a cold game in Boone at night, probably a 30, 20 degree game. So I'm looking for the run game on both sides of the ball to be a a big factor in both of the defensive fronts having to show up big for this one. One big thing to be watching out in this game, Tucker Gregg has a chance to run into the history books. He needs just 136 yards to pass Trey Barnett to become the all-time leading rusher at Georgia State. So be watching out for that in this game. You have to imagine that that is definitely in the cards for this game if Tucker Gregg plays well. Uh, Caden, I want to talk about the linebackers in this game. And, you know, App State, obviously, they dealt with some injuries at the linebacking core early on in this season. But when you look at them, there's still three very solid linebackers, and Andrew Parker, Trey Cobb, Nick Hampton. Um, you know, then you look at Georgia State, and they've got John Che Hunter and Jordan uh, Venzial. Um, I think linebacking play is going to be really big in this game with the emphasis that both teams are going to put on the run. No, 100%. Um, talk about the linebacker position and how important it is with App State scheme. And they've had some injuries there as well. You think Airdrew Parker is a transfer who's coming and been probably the most consistent guy in that in that court, which you probably didn't expect coming into this season because he is a transfer, but he's been the healthiest. He's probably played the most snaps out of all of them. So I look for him to have a big game and he's going to be up in front of those A-gaps, having to stop a Tucker Gregg, having to stop a Jemias Williams. So definitely going to be a big part of their game. And then on the other side, Georgia State's linebackers have also been playing great this year, and they're f- very familiar with this run back, running back core that App State has. I think a lot of other teams in this conference might be a little bit intimidated by the Nate Noels and the Camp Peoples of this conference, but these guys are very familiar with them. And when I played them in 2020, they were very familiar and had a great run-stopping game as well. I think out of all the teams in the Sun Bowl, just from my personal experience, Georgia State, especially on the defensive side on that linebacking group, has been one of the most fearless defenses I've played. I think they always come up and play big in this game. So I think both positions, I and mean, you look at both linebackers, are going to be big. But I think what's going to elevate this game, whichever linebacking core can get their hands on the ball, maybe ca- cause a fumble, cause a turnover, I think that's going to be huge for the team because I think it's going to be a game that's very predicated on the ground. And there's going to be some linebackers in this game that have 10, 11, 12 tackles on both sides of the ball. But whoever has that, that one turnover, that one 
forced fumble, that one recovered fumble, that one interception, I think that might be a huge difference in this game as well. So I'm looking for both of these linebacking cores to be very opportunistic in this one as well. Yeah, no, I think that's a great point. It's going to be interesting to see. I think whichever team wins the turnover battle here uh, has a chance at winning this football game. Well, before we move on to our picks, uh, one quick stat to know in this game, both of these teams have combined to give up uh, 62.1 points per game this season. Uh, They've combined uh, to... Uh, 69 total points during conference play. So you have to imagine we might see some points scored in this one. Well, let's move on to our picks for uh, these two games. And um, when you look at this game, we'll start with that South Alabama and Troy game. And South Alabama uh, comes in as a three-point favorite in this one. Over-under sits at 46.5. Caden, your boys have been South Alabama all year long, so I'm going to let you talk about your boys first. Yeah, I mean, no one's going to be really surprised with this pick I have. I've obviously been riding for South Alabama in the West. So give me South Alabama to win. I think they do cover in this one. I think they just look too explosive on offense. They're coming off of a great week. So that three points, I think, will be pretty easy for them to get. If they do win this game, I think they do have the chance to win it big. And I'm also going to take the over on the points. I think they've shown that they're an explosive offensive attack. I think they're going to push the tempo of this game. And even if Troy does limit them, maybe keep them to under 20 points, around 20 points, Troy's going to have to play catch up and play with a sense of urgency. So they're going to have to emphasize scoring the ball winning field goals is not going to win this game for them I think they're going to have to get the ball in the end zone no matter what quarterback is at the helm so give me the over on the points give me South Alabama to cover and South Alabama to win I think those are all great picks there and probably pretty similar to mine you look at South Alabama I think the offense is clearly better I think there's question marks for Troy Uh, I do have some pause though because of how good Troy's defense has been and I think this game could be closer than people think Uh, I think if this was uh, a seven-point spread, I might be taking Troy to cover in this one. But, Caden, at three points, I do feel like South Alabama has a chance to you know, cover this one. Uh, so give me South Alabama to cover. I'm also going to take the Jags to win in this. Over under at 46.5. I don't know why I'm so tempted to take the under on this one. Um, you know, midweek game here. Uh, but I really like South Alabama's offense. I think Troy knows how to put up points as well. So I think it's probably an easy, maybe a safe bet to take the over although I was really thinking about taking the under in this one, but I'll go ahead and take the over. Um, the you know the game that's going to take place tonight, App State versus Georgia State. App comes in a 10-point favorite. Over-under sits at 60.5. I just told you all the stats about these two teams putting up offense, and I would tend to believe that we're going to see that again here. Uh, I think both teams are definitely going to look to reestablish their running games, and to me it's going to come down to which quarterback plays better in this game because we know, I think, we think, that both running backs or both running back rooms could have good games. Um, so app is a 10 point favorite here. That seems really high based on how app has played this year. Uh, Georgia state has shown the ability to play tight against some Sunbelt schools. So I do like app state in this game. I think app state has a chance to reset their season here after the buy and maybe get on a roll as we get into late October and early November. So Give me app to win, but I'm going to take Georgia State to cover in this one. I think that they can keep this less than a 10-point game. Over-under, again, has me a little bit sketched out, but at 60.5, I feel like we are going to see some points for both teams. Um, But 60.5 seems high in this game, so give me the under. I like a lot of what you had to say. I think this is going to be, like I said, a big matchup with both teams coming into this to, into this one to prove something. I'm going to take App State in this one. I think coming off of last week, I just think I think they have a worse taste in their mouth. I think they have a little bit more to prove. Georgia State's obviously coming into this one with some momentum, but I think App State is really 
it's a make or break game for them. I think if they want to have their aspirations to be in the championship conversation, if they want to continue to be that guy in the East side, I think they're going to have to win this one. So I look for them to take care of business. And I hope that their running back room is a little bit more healthy. This one, hopefully we see Camp Peoples in this one, Nate Noel, they can get the run game going. But I think if they don't get the run game going and it's not looking well, I would look for Kevin Barbe to maybe switch things up and try to pass a little bit more. I think when you saw them in the Texas State game, throwing the ball from behind, they kind of had to, but it was very effective for them. I think in this one, if it's not going early, maybe they lean on that, set up Chase Bryce of one of the best quarterbacks in this conference, let him throw the ball a little bit more and set up your pass maybe for your running game. So I'm looking for App State to win in this one. But that 10 line, I feel the same way you do. I think Georgia State has proven the last couple of weeks they can keep games close, be competitive, and lean on that run game. So I think they don't cover in this one, or App State won't cover in this one. So I think Georgia State will cover. So give me App State to win and Georgia State to cover. The points is definitely tricky on this one. But like you said, I think just because of the weather and just the elements of this game, and I think the nature that Georgia State's going to have to be able to run the ball and slow on the clock a little bit. I'm going to take the under on the points just because it's a little bit of the nature of this game I think we'll take. I, th- I could see it being a shootout. It's a fine line at 60 right there, but I'm just going to take the under on the points. So give me App State to win, Georgia State to cover, and the under on the points. Hey, either way, we're all going to win this week as we get a couple of great games in the midweek and then more great games uh, on Saturday. Well, it was another great episode of the Prairie and Smith podcast. Again, we'd like to say a special thank you to South Alabama quarterback Carter Bradley and uh, Associate Athletic Director Travis Jerome and Kevin Beasley for helping make that chat happen on a short week, quick notice. Um, But before you go, don't forget that we'll be back with another episode on Friday where we'll dive into all the Week 8 action in the Sun Belt as well as make our picks for the weekend slate. Thanks for taking time to listen. If you like what you heard on today's episode of the Prairie and Smith podcast, make sure to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or Spotify so that you never miss an episode. And if you'd be so kind, rate the show or leave us a quick review. We love hearing what y'all think. Finally, follow the show on our Twitter page at at Prairie and Smith for all the latest Sunbelt football news. Well, that's goodbye for now. We'll talk to you again soon. 